As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Hey, Michael. Hey there. So we've got another product journey planned, and you're going to have to remind me, what, what are we doing today? Hey, Michael. Um, hey, can, can you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. So, okay. So you know, what's our product journey for today? Hey, Michael. Okay. I'm, I must be missing something. I feel like we're uh, Abba Costello here, and uh, I'm asking who's on first, but what is actually going on? Okay. All right. In, in fairness, though, I was actually answering your question. You were. I, I just didn't hear you say anything. I said, hey, Michael, because that's the product journey we're diving into today. Hey, the brand new email platform launched by the team at Basecamp, the platform that's assumed the David in a classic David versus Goliath battle in the world of tech. Ah, uh, hey, got it. Yeah, get it? <laughs> See? But wait, who is really on first? Just don't. <laughs> Let's just roll the intro. Welcome 
to rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So you say this product journey, which focuses on what's been among the hottest products to talk about in the tech world these past few weeks, a brand new email platform, the team at Basecamp. Hey, it's the story of David and Goliath? Well, yeah, I very literally, and we'll definitely get into that. So let's start from the beginning. Hey is a new take on email? I'd say so. And really, you know, maybe even a whole lot more. It's almost a statement on email. Um, yes, it is a brand new platform that people can use to send and receive email, but it's almost a manifestation of the point of view that email as we know it today is fundamentally flawed. Things like privacy, how your data is used, how other people control the time you spend on email. These are all fundamentally what's wrong with email, at least according to the team at Basecamp. And their answer to all of it is, hey. So what is hey? What makes it unique? Well, I should start off with what it's not first. Um, Hey isn't just another email client. I mean, you actually don't use hey to manage your already existing email services like, say, Gmail. Um, And that's different from, say, Superhuman. That's exactly what Superhuman does. You have a Gmail account and you use Superhuman to manage that Gmail just in a different way. Mm. Um, With Hey, it's a brand new email altogether. So if you're signing up to use it, you're literally signing up for an at hey.com email address. Um, It's brand new email altogether. Okay, so that right there is, it's pretty bold. Nearly half of today's email addresses are Gmail email addresses. And in others like Apple, Outlook, Yahoo, all of those combined to make up 90% of the email landscape today. Yeah, and if you're using any of those or any other random email platforms that are out there, you won't be able to access your email on Hey. Oh, and by the way, you're going to have to pay Hey for the privilege for all of that. Um, All those other services offer free email, Although with a catch, which we'll talk about in a bit, Hay's product is a priced product and prices start at $99 a year and more if you're registering for a two or three letter vanity email address. Wow. Many people would look at these two factors and it would be a non-starter. I mean, who would want to pay to give up their Gmail? Well, luckily for Hay, a lot of people, including me, um, their wait list when they had one was over 100,000 people and people are even selling invites on eBay for hundreds of dollars. All right. I I guess I stand corrected. But it really is an ambitious product. Uh, Jason Fried, one of the co-founders and the CEO at Basecamp, even he says so. He goes as far to saying it might be the stupidest thing (laughs) that he and the team at Basecamp has ever done. Um, here he is on Basecamp's rework podcast that they put out recently. In a paragraph before that, I said it was also the stupidest thing we've ever done, which I mean in the most positive possible sense that we should do some stupid things, some risky things. Um, we should make some big bets occasionally. It's not something we w- want to do every year, but this is a huge bet. Probably definitely the most ambitious thing we've done in eight years. Basecamp 2 came out about eight years ago. We're taking on email, which is basically considered a solved problem. The last time anyone really came out with something really, really different that felt different was 16 years ago when Gmail came out. Probably many of you who are listening, who've been around for a while, remember going to claim your Gmail email address or getting that invite from your friend or whatever it was. That's 16 years ago. And since then, it's kind of, there's been some stuff, but there hasn't been a moment where people are like, I want to grab a new email address. And that's what we're offering here because this is not just an email client. And the difference, by the way, for those who are listening who don't know, a client essentially lives on top of someone else's platform. So there are email apps you can get that will check Gmail, but just check it in a different way or make it look different. That's a client. 
a platform or a service is what we're building with Hey, which is actually an email provider. You're going to get a new email address, an at hey.com email address, and that's a big deal. And so if you're going to do that, you have to take on a whole lot of technical challenges, first of all, and also product design challenges. And there's a whole bunch of things you have to do to actually come into that arena and say, we're basically on par with the other major email providers, which essentially are Google, Microsoft, Apple, Yahoo. That's a very short list. And most of those companies are worth, you know, well, collectively worth well over a trillion dollars. And here we are, the small independent, essentially, um, who's willing to go out and, and do this. So the stakes are high, but at the same time, like, you know, we don't really think of it that way. We think of it something as like, we want to do this. We want to build this. We want this for ourselves. We're excited about it. We're going to make a bet on it. We don't get nervous about the stakes. The stakes aren't something we talk about much. But yet, objectively, yes, the stakes are high. So the small independent, as Jason puts it, taking on Gmail. I, I think I see where you're going with this David versus Goliath comparison. Well, I didn't say Jason versus Goliath. I said David <laughs> versus Goliath, and there is a difference. We will get there. Interesting. Okay, okay. Well, let's get back to the product. So there was literally years in the making in this, right? That's right. It what started as something that they were just using internally. It turned into a consumer product that they did not expect to launch, yet here we are. Okay, so the product itself, it's not another email client, but what else makes it unique? I'm going to let Jason talk about this a bit. This is uh, more of Jason on Hay's approach. This is from a 37-minute product walkthrough that he hmm. posted on YouTube. What's different about Hay is that Hey takes a different approach to who can email you. So one of the problems with email is that everybody can email you, which is also one of the great things about email. Problem is, is if you've had an email address for many, many years, it's everywhere. You can't control it anymore. It's been bought and sold and traded and handed out. And you just have to deal with people sending you emails that you don't want. You know, people you don't want to hear from, emails you don't want to get. Now I'm not talking about spam. We have spam filter, it's a great spam filter, but there's people that get through that because they're not spam. Could be a salesperson, could be a friend of a friend who got your email. Maybe you bought a product at one company and they sold your email address or sold the list or someone else bought a list and now you're on some other list and you're getting four or five other companies getting in touch with you. It's not technically spam, but it's stuff you'd normally have to deal with. Well, with Hey, you don't. And let me tell you why. The first time anybody emails you with Hey or from, I should say, to Hey, they don't need to be using Hey. As long as you're using Hey, it works. Um, they don't land in your inbox. They land in what's called the screener. It's kind of like screening your calls. If someone calls you and you don't recognize the number, you probably don't pick it up. Maybe you check the voicemail later. If you don't like what you hear, you don't call them back. That's how this works. The screener. So literally, Hey screens your emails. Yeah, well, more like Hey helps you screen your emails, but yes. So if I send you an email and I end up in the screener. And if I give you a thumbs down, I will never hear from you again. Wow, never? No, that's it. You won't know it, but you will be forever screened out. Well, that's definitely a big feature. Um, <laughs> what else? <laughs> and by the way, I would never do that to you, Michael, just to be very clear. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what else? Okay, so the other co-founder of Basecamp, David Henmeyer Hansen, most people just call him DHH, so I'm just going to call him DHH here. He talks about another big feature of Hey in the Rework podcast episode that we referenced earlier, and it has to do with spies. Sp well, sort of. So many email programs that you and I probably both use today, they have features that enable tiny pixels to be placed in an email to let us get access to data about the email we're sending. DHH and the team liken this to spy tracking, and they think it's wrong, very wrong. In fact, you can hear how passionate DHH is about all of this right here. 
So when we started building, hey, I had this sort of vague idea that like there were ways that perhaps emails could spy on you a little bit. And then I learned exactly how they do it. And it was just terrible. I've been pretty cynical about marketing tools and surveillance tools and the eroding privacy that we have online. But I did not know how deep the rabbit hole went when it comes to email surveillance. So we call it spy pixels. And it's what happens when a sender puts in this little tracker. Usually it's something called a one by one pixel, which basically just means it's invisible. You don't know it's there. It's not announcing itself. There's not like a banner that says like, hey, the person who sent you this email would like to spy on you. Nope. It's just happening behind the scenes, but the result is the same. When you open an email from someone who put a spy pixel in that email, they can see that A, you opened it, when you opened it, where you were when you opened it, what computer you used when you opened it, how long you spent looking at it. There's countless of examples of people using spy pixels and then using that information against you. The most common example of this is a salesperson will send you a pitch and they're like, hey, do you have uh, 15 minutes on Thursday to talk about bullshit? And you go like, yeah, you know what? Not interested in answering that email, right? So you just delete it or whatever. Then you get another email that says, oh, hey, um, hey, Jason, I saw you uh, looked at my other email. Is now a good time? I've retweeted a bunch of these examples that are getting just incredibly invasive in ways like there was a, this um, uh, car dealership where the salesperson had had sent, I think, an offer and something and it just followed up like five times. I can see you're opening my emails, but you're not replying. Like imagine a salesperson outside your door just hammering on your door. I can see you're in there. I have a vacuum cleaner I want to sell you. Come out. And this harassment, we just take it for granted on the internet because that's what the internet is now. No, we're going to change the goddamn internet. Yeah, I, I'd say he sounds passionate about it. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think of the analogy DHH uses? I, I, I get where they're coming from. I, I do too, but I, hey, I should admit, <laughs> I, I've used that exact kind of software that he's yeah. talking about. I, not maliciously. I mean, I definitely have never sent an email saying, hey, I know you got my email, answer me. But, you know, I used stuff like that in the past a lot of tools out there that just automatically has it baked in so um but even still i'll say dhh's take on this is at least made me think a little bit more about this and just sort of be conscious about it so we're starting to get the picture of how hey it really is a different take on email it helps you screen your emails it alerts when someone is trying to spy on you using dhh's words what else has it got well the other thing overall is Something you'd appreciate, Michael, the entire design and experience, it's just different. Uh, you don't need to archive emails because everything's sort of archived for you. Your new important emails are right on top. Um, if you're getting a newsletter, that goes to the feed, um, what Hay calls it. And you could read all of your newsletters in one sort of continuous feed, just like you would, say, read tweets on Twitter. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and and you decide where to put your emails too. So if there's an email that comes in and you don't need to respond to it right away, but you know you're going to come back to it later, you could put it on the set aside board, which is almost like a Pinterest board that you could see all those emails at a glance. Um, or you could put them in a reply later pile. Then later you come back to it and you could see all the emails in one feed and it allows you to just sort of they call it focus and reply, basically just quickly reply one after one after one in rapid succession. And you don't need to keep pulling emails open because they're already laid out for you. 
Um, and, and this is just some of the features that exist here for Hey. But again, it's meant to let you take control over your own email. For years, Jason has said how email lets other people control your calendar. Hey is Basecamp's answer to this. And while it's early in the product, it's clear that they've given a lot of thought on how to solve these problems. But all this does come at a cost, right? Hey is offered at $99 a year or more if you're securing a two to three letter vanity email address. And that kind of flies in the face of what consumers might be used to where you know, email is just free today. Yeah, that's definitely true. So it's not gonna be for everyone and Hey knows that. But if you think about it, I mean, some of those features are meant to save you time and mm. time is money. Uh, $99 a year wouldn't have to take much for Hey to be worth your while if, let's just say, you saved even a couple minutes a day in productivity. Uh, at least, you know, for me, I think it's worth paying for. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. So Hey finally launched in June. And what's been the result so far? Has the launch been a success? Well, yes but there's been a lot of drama. And this is where the David versus Goliath story comes in. And we're gonna get into it right after this short break. So you keep talking about this David versus Goliath story. Okay, yes, but in this case, Goliath isn't Google, the primary competition as the clear number one email platform. The David and Goliath story pits David or DHH from the team at Basecamp against Apple. Okay, why is this? Well, okay, a big part of Hay's launch wasn't just the website, but it was the mobile app that they would launch as well. And so much email is sent on a mobile device these days, and the bulk of the email sent from a mobile device uses the native web app. And there were problems with the launch on Hay's iPhone application, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say that. So Apple would only approve the app if Hay used Apple's payment system, which gives Apple a 30% cut of the action, and mm. Basecamp, said no. Was that part of Apple's terms and conditions for all developers? Well, yes and no. So technically, yes, if you're offering a paid service and you have an iPhone app, you're supposed to have a way for people to pay via the app and Apple gets its cut. Okay, so then what's the problem? Well, there's always been some unwritten rules. Mm -hmm. Think about services like Spotify or Netflix. You sign up on Spotify's website, Netflix's website, and then you download the app to just log in and take advantage of the service. Those companies, though, they're not paying Apple any sort of cut of their revenue. Uh, they do pay for the privilege to have an app in the App Store to begin with, just like all app developers have to pay. But beyond that, they're not paying Apple every time somebody signs up for a subscription. So what was Apple saying here? How was Hey any different from, you know, those companies? Well, that's just the problem. There's no good answer. And DHH and the team at Basecamp weren't about to accept that quietly. Here's DHH on CNBC's Squawk Alley with what he wants Apple to do about all this. I think that they should allow application makers the choice, the choice to opt out of their payment system because the payment system is incredibly expensive. It is 30% of revenues compared to credit card processing, which is generally 1.8 to 2.4%, which is what we normally pay. So we're being asked to pay 20 times more to process payments through Apple's system. And we chose to say, no, we're not interested in that. We've done that for years. We have another product called Basecamp that follows the exact same model as, hey, you buy your subscription, outside of the App Store, then you go to the App Store and get a free app that works with that subscription. Apple has now decided, no, that's not good enough. We want more money. So they're going around and from what I'm hearing from just dozens of other developers, really turning the screws and saying, 
we don't care where your subscriptions are made. We want a 30% cut. And that's just preposterous because we cannot launch the product we've just launched now, a major email service that competes both with Apple and their email service through the OutCloud bundle and with Google through their Gmail service um, if, if we're not on the iOS app store. It's like we're invisible if we're yeah. not there and they control the sole access. There's no other way to get software onto an iPhone except going through Apple's app store. So when we don't have the choice of going somewhere else, they can just twist and we are forced to simply submit. And that is unfair. That is the essence of antitrust. When you're using your monopoly in, in one area to give businesses basically deals they cannot refuse. Accusing Apple of using antitrust tactics. I mean, it, it's a big accusation. It is. But to the team at Hey, not having their app approved, a big part of their offering that they've been working on for years that was a big deal, and they weren't about to just submit to Apple quietly. DHH isn't exactly known to acquiesce. No, definitely not. But you know what? DHH has a lot of respect within the development community. Um, I mean, he invented Ruby on Rails. Yeah. Uh, and to some, he's a cult hero. And that development community, they started to speak out. People like Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic Games, Ben Thompson of the popular newsletter Stratechery, they were all backing DHH in this feud. And there's another thing, the timing, especially for there to be this uproar within the development community, it wasn't exactly good for Apple. Yeah, why is that? Well, this is all going down just days before Apple's big worldwide developers conference. Ah, uh, yeah, the last thing you want at your developers conference is turmoil from the developer community. Yeah, and yet that's where Apple was. I mean, on one hand, Hey was in trouble because not being able to launch with an iPhone app, that can make their product dead in the water. On the other hand, Apple's in trouble because this is a PR nightmare. Here's Kara Swisher of Recode weighing in on this showdown on CNBC's Squawk Alley. I think, you know, a lot of these software developers, Apple and Google, by the way, also in its, in its app store, are the only games in town. I call them the toll booths. And so even if you're a good toll booth, even if you have good rules, you're a toll booth nonetheless, and you have to go through it in order to be successful. And I think a lot of people feel like this amount of money is too much. I think they feel like that they can't do what they want and they can't uh, talk to their own customers enough. But, you know, this is the story you have to go through if you want to be successful. Um, and Apple is making an argument that we provide all kinds of services, including getting rid of mail malware and spam and things like that. And they absolutely do. Um, and so it's going to be a face off, especially because Apple is the only game in town. And, you know, there's action in the EU. There's going to be action in the Justice Department. Um, there's going to be hearings on the Hill. So that's what I wanted to focus on. And what do we do when they're only uh, when there's a duopoly in the mobile uh, app space. There's going to be a face-off. We'll hear what happened with that face-off right after a quick word from our sponsors. So before the break, we learned about this brand new fresh take on email from the team at Basecamp, a product called Hey!, but the product launch was nearly stopped in its tracks by Apple when it said it wouldn't be allowing Hey to be made available in its app store unless it got a big cut of the revenue. And this showdown between Hey and Apple was getting very messy in a very public way right before Apple's big developer conference. So what happened? Well, Hey sent out a olive branch series of tweets to Apple, at least as they called it. <laughs> and uh, more specifically, these tweets were sent by DHH to Philip Schiller, the senior vice president of worldwide marketing for Apple, who they had been communicating with via email about this issue. 
in those tweets, DHH recognized that Schiller didn't necessarily just reject the app outright, but actually gave several paths that Hay could take to make the app passable in Apple's book. Okay, and those were? Well, there were a number of options that Apple gave Hay. Uh, some of them included offering both a free and paid version of the app or giving its users the option to make in-app purchases for upgrades. But all in all, their position was that the app couldn't just not function without signing in. Uh, and that position never sort of changed. And the team at Hay, I don't know, how, how did they see these options? Well, they preferred to not even have to go this route, but yeah. they ended up creating a solution that they felt like was at least in line with what Apple was looking for. Um, here's DHH back on Squawk Alley to talk about that. Well, that solution is that we're offering two new parts to our Hay product. One is a new uh, anonymized, uh, time-limited uh, email service that you can sign up for for free on the iOS app. So you can try the app. It's not a closed door anymore, as Phil Schiller said. And you can give it a spin and you can use it for a variety of things that those kind of burner addresses are, are great for. Then the other part of it is that Hey was always meant to be an enterprise software play that we were going to uh, sell this to companies who would then allow their employees to use the system. Those employees obviously should not pay for the company email system. So we've uh, forwarded that and rushed that forward. And now we have a couple of customers running on it already. We have thousands of customers expressing interest in doing that. But we're just going off what Phil Schiller's latest edicts were to the press, that these were some of the things that he would love to see us do. And so that olive branch, Apple's response? Well, there was some back and forth. I mean, Apple needed to approve the changes, but I'm going to read a tweet from DHH on June 25th that says, Apple has definitively approved Hay in the App Store. No IAP, no 30% cut, but we've opened the door to a free temp address service and use same app for work accounts. I'm so incredibly relieved, and now Hay is open to everyone. No invite code needed. So he was approved. The olive branch was accepted. So David and Goliath, they're like besties now. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. DHH still <laughs> doesn't necessarily show a lot of love for Apple. I mean, he never really did. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that he and the Basecamp team are definitely happy to be past this stage. And now what? What's next for, hey, they're just getting started. Exactly. I mean, this is really just the beginning. Um, now, yeah, you don't need an invite code to sign up. You could just sign up. Give it a try, uh, 14 days before you have to even register a credit card. So anybody can give it a whirl. Nice. Uh, but it, it, it's still an early product. I mean, look, I'm a customer myself, and I'd say it's a great early product. But like any early product, it's going to be bugs. There's going to be some flaws. Like? Well, okay, at first there was a feature in Hey that lets you forward your email to someone else, but in the form of a web link. So you could literally post a link of your conversation with somebody. Ooh, that sounds like a big privacy issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, Hayes' take was that, well, I mean, you could forward an email to anybody right now without them knowing about it. Nothing could stop you from doing that. I mean, that's true. But that answer wasn't good enough for some yeah. users. I, one Twitter user, Marco Rogers, he replied to DHH in a thread on Twitter and said, Sounds like you're missing the point here, David. You want Hay to be better than what's come before, not use that as an excuse. Enabling double opt-in on a feature like this is better for literally everybody involved, including your company. Yeah, that's some honest criticism. Yeah, and really fair criticism. Yeah. In, in fact, DHH agreed. He ultimately replied and said, yeah, that's totally fair. We do want to make email better. These links were intended as a way to 
do forwards, but we didn't put enough thought into the potential abuse angles here. So we're pulling the feature, sending it back to the drawing board for now. Okay, well, hey, that's good on DHH and the team to listen to their users. For sure. And look, just because Jason Freed, DHH, the rest of the team at Basecamp, they took this big point of view on what's wrong with email, doesn't mean that their solution is going to be free of flaws. I mean, they're, they're going to make mistakes. They are human beings after all. <laughs> and this product journey, it's just starting out for the team at Hay. So the story is certainly far from over. Exactly. But it's a heck of a beginning. And if there's one thing I know about Jason Free, DHH, and the rest of the team, it's that they like going against conventional wisdom. They like taking on big problems. They don't give up on things. So yeah, there are likely going to be some more bugs and flaws in the future, just like with any new product. But if I was a betting man, I would certainly <laughs> bet big on Hay. And I can't wait to host Jason and the head of strategy at Basecamp, Ryan Singer. We're going to have them both for a fireside chat at the virtual edition of Industry, the product conference coming up in September. So it should be an awesome way to kick off the conference. For sure. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And we have some more fun stories for everybody next week here on Rocketship FM. Thanks so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM now has a premium ad-free feed. All you have to do is go to glow.fm forward slash Rocketship and subscribe. It helps support the show and it gives you an ad-free experience. You actually get an exclusive feed that you can listen to on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective, which is a community for software product people. Product Collective is also the home of industry, the product conference, industry virtual workshops, and one of the largest Slack groups for product people anywhere. And we're also on the Podglomerate Network, so a huge thanks to Podglomerate. You can listen to all the Podglomerate shows at thepodglomerate.com. We'll see you here next week on rocketship.fm.